Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Crubcast. I am the Golden Bolt. My name's Kevin. I'm here with three of our wonderful co-crubbers today. That's just become the official term. First up, to my right, uh, or by my right, your right, I don't know, to my other side over here, uh, we have Wolf Chaosan, if you are watching the video feed. Hi, Sean. Hi. How's it going? How's it popping? Good. I think we're all popping. I don't know what that means. Uh, above him is Moriarty. Hi, M. What's up, painters? How we doing today? I don't like hype beast intros for non-gamers. And the host of today's episode is Nico, also known as All Hail Buckets, sitting right above what? me. What is good, painters? How are we doing today? Why is this a thing? Uh, because you're we're painters. We're all painters now. Um, okay. Yeah. All right, fellas. Kevin, you already introduced yourself, right? I did. Thank you, though. All right. Yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta think about these things, right? Yeah, I mean, last Fellas. week Justin forgot, so it's valid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but he's so famous, everybody, like, knows him already. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's, like, ingrained the moment you, like, are born. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Fellas, how we doing today? How's everybody feeling? Pretty okay. Uh, surprisingly not as tired. tired. Surprisingly mm -hmm. not as tired for me. No, but I mean, I, I had a lot shorter of a drive to and from too many games than Moriarty had. For those that are listening, I walked in the door like yeah. five minutes before we started. That too, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. For those that are watching this uh, in the post upload on YouTube or in the audio realm, uh, we are recording this just about a day after all of us have returned from the Too Many Games convention in Philadelphia or the Philadelphia area. Um, we had a really good time, and uh, a lot of our uh, memes and. Uh, we're too early in the episode to say uh, poop posts are on Twitter. If you find the Crub Twitter or find any of our Twitters, you can see us do a bunch of stupid stuff and hang out with other creator pals and have a good time. Um, I actually think that's an apropos name. Poop posts? Poop posts? <laughs> yeah, from, from Crub, okay. I think that's an apropos name. That's valid. Yeah, if I mean, I'm honest that, with you. That's valid. But yeah, uh, we already talked about a lot of the stuff we did at Too Many Games in the pre-show. For those that don't know, we stream these live over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash crub underscore official uh, for now. Probably be on YouTube soon enough. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, we have exclusive pre and post shows there for the live crowd. Hang out, talk, chat, see what uh, you folks want us to uh, chat about. Topics in the, the news space and all that fun stuff. But uh, what are we here doing today, Nico? Well, first of all, the pre and post show is where you see the real personalities come out. So if you're interested in that, tune into that. But yeah, we're being fake fellas. for you, listeners. Yeah, we're, absolutely. We're, it's completely fake. Oh, it's all scripted. <laughs> it's everything is yeah. all of it scripted top right, to bottom. Right down to the, <laughs> the ums. Right. Yeah. Right Sean, say your line. The, um, uh, which my, one? Hold on. I lost my spot. Right down to the um. Okay. Say your um. Which. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm back. No, no. It's okay. It was all planned. That was yeah. all written in. Sean, say your line. Did I ask? Good man. All right. <laughs> uh, fellas, today we're going to talk about evolution. Today we're going to talk about how our tastes have changed and evolved over the past uh, 10 to 15 years. Just because I think recently I've been reflecting a lot on my own tastes and sort of why I like what I like in media overall, right? Uh, video games, music, movies, television, all of it. And I think it is a worthwhile exercise for anyone to do because you get to learn a little bit more about yourself. You get to learn a little bit more about art and it helps you kind of delve a little bit deeper into what brings you joy and what makes you happy. That makes sense, fellas. 
It does. I agree with what All you right. said because if you don't, if you don't look back and feel ashamed of your old self or you haven't changed, uh, I feel bad for you. Yeah. At least, at least one of those two things. You don't have to be ashamed of yourself, but you probably should be if you're listening here to the Crubcast. <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say what we're all thinking. Yeah. If you're anything, if you're anything like me, um, you should not be like I was years and years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I aim to be like Nico from years and years ago. Oh, that's a low bar, dude. It is. I want to see how low I can go. How? Oh my god! It's like the limbo, the uh, the life limbo. God, I peaked in fourth grade. <laughs> oh my I don't know god! Why you're laughing. I was serious. God. god. Um. <laughs> so speaking of laughing, okay. um, I have asked you guys mm-hmm. to bring in uh, a couple pieces of media, preferably from eclectic um, media. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, but uh, bring, you know, bring a couple of those in <laughs> that you were consuming 10 to 15 years ago. What was the pun? What was, what was the pun that you didn't intend? Well, the media, the media and then the medium as in like media as in like, this is what we are watching and consuming versus media the medium in which it is. You know what? Maybe I don't want to be Nico anymore. Yeah, you wouldn't survive a second in here, dude. You wouldn't survive no, in I... my brain. God. <laughs> no, nobody would. Nobody would. Anyway, the assignment was to bring in a couple things from, from 10 to 15 years ago and just reflect on how our tastes have changed. So uh, I am going to start with Kevin. Kevin, what have you brought into us today? Or, or where does your where does this discussion start for you? Ten years ago, I watched a little show called Breaking Bad. And ten years later, I watched a different show called Better Call Saul. Okay, so not much change there. That's good. That's the only thing I'm going to say this entire episode. (laughs) No, I have a I have a couple, but it's it's fascinating with that particular case because it has been 10 years and the show just yeah. ended again uh you know nine years after the fact uh, that breaking bad ended saul ended and the fact that they were able to keep a continuous universe going for uh what would have been what it was 08 09 started around the writer's strike so 07 08 uh yeah. for 15 years and maintain that level of quality is is genuinely incredible but um that wasn't the one i was actually going to talk about um one of the ones that i played 10 or 15 years ago is a series that uh, is dead now and that's halo Halo's dead. Halo's dead. Oh, yeah, it sure is. Absolutely dude. dead. Uh, if you pour one out for the homie, if you watched the, uh, <laughs> he actually poured one out for those yeah, that are listening. For, for, the, for the audio listeners, Sean actually dumped some of his water out. I don't think he has a trash can there. I think he just poured that on his desk. No, I don't. Great. Yeah. Um, it's okay. The it's cats fine. will look it up. So for those that, uh, for those that don't, he doesn't have cats. He has Trav. Oh, that's yeah. right. Travel, travel Zamboni it off the floor. Yeah, he's gonna freebase my water. So for those that didn't watch the uh, Xbox showcase uh, a few weeks back during the usual E3 summer gaming season that no longer can be called E3, uh, they didn't show anything about Halo off in that Xbox showcase. Instead, about two days later, they showed off uh, a trailer on YouTube for season four of Halo Infinite. Because so they- what's fascinating about yeah. that uh, is that there, there's one extra uh, facet to it that, that changes it a little bit, which is that that season actually started a week before the showcase. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, know that. It. That changes it entirely. <laughs> that wow. makes it so much worse. So it, it was it out, and they didn't even put a sizzle reel out to say, hey, this is a thing. The game's not dead, folks. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Halo. So if you watched Halo's the showcase, dead. you didn't. You saw as much Halo as the people who did watch the showcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a travesty what they've done to my boy. But in 2009, which is closer to you know 15 years ago at this point, but we said 10 to 15 was the range. Yeah, 10 to 15. That was the year that I really discovered Halo. Um, as a player, like obviously I had seen it in magazines and stuff, but I, I didn't have a PS or an Xbox 360. I had a PS2 and I came over to my buddy's house one day and I played a little bit of Halo 3 and it just immediately I was like, this is the I have to buy an Xbox 360 for this because it just changed how I saw games. And I put, you know, in that year and change span, I put uh, hundreds of hours into three, into ODST, into Reach. Uh, and then I stopped because they, they started massacring my boy and that was a shame. And I thought it was interesting looking back at the multiplayer, um, fandom that I guess I would say I had at the time. Cause a lot of us, you know, I mean, we were in high school, so we were playing multiplayer games to, to socialize and we still do that with Apex Legends or we play car soccer sometimes, mm. uh, usually as a catalyst to just have conversation at this point. Whereas before it was, you know, we are hashtag gaming and i thought it was interesting seeing that that flip uh from that and then obviously before that single player games like a ratchet and clank or stuff like that and looking at what i play today which is is predominantly single player experiences uh like for example uh the one i'll say now is is yakuza i think that if i this might be blasphemy for those that are fans of mine i I think that yakuza might be my favorite series over ratchet and clank at this point yeah like I still um, have that nostalgia. It's one of mine for sure. Yeah, I still have that nostalgia for Ratchet, but it's the only game that I can think of that made me completely just suck into it every single time and not be able to put it down. Uh, I've had games like that before, you know, like a New Vegas or a Fallout Three to a lesser extent, um, but it reminded me the most of that feeling that those Ratchet games gave me. But as an adult, which is harder to pull off than as a kid, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's why I evangelize Yakuza so much is that that the fact that that series can do that while being up until recently entirely subtitled, you know, a type of game that generally players here in North America wouldn't really consume, you know, prior to Yakuza 0 and Persona both dropping in the same year and uh, Persona 5, that is. And mm. I just uh, I find it very uh, fascinating to see how that that pivot happened, that uh you know, Microsoft was the king for a few years there because of their multiplayer experiences. And now in an era where more players are playing multiplayer games than ever before, it's the single player experiences that are, are defining both my playtime and, and uh, countless others playtimes. And it's a big point of contention if we, you know, circle that back to Halo and to Microsoft that they've continued to struggle uh, to deliver single player experiences to the point that, the, you know, they're looking continually to buy other studios that have those. So that's my that's my soapbox. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say you guys had a discussion a while ago about sort of the Jenny Saquav, like you had to be there mm-hmm. yeah. type games, and I know that Halo Reach for me was one of those absolutely yeah. around that time. Yeah, um, that was sort sort of it's it's been well documented that that was sort of my first just dipping the toe in the water for video games, and. It was a really, really big part of forming a lot of very valuable and close friendships for me. Um, but man, we played Infinite and it just, huh, it just fell flat. I once got banned from like- Halo Infinite multiplayer, not to cut you off. I, I once got banned 
uh, because the game crashed. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I was in a match and I couldn't leave the match. I had to sit there and watch a match from the title screen of or from the, the level loading screen uh, and hear audio, but not be allowed to move or spawn. And I so I'd have to close the app to do anything. And I got banned for that uh, multiple times. Yeah, it felt I, like it felt like. Eat, sorry, Sean, I'll let you go in one second. It felt like eating very flavorful food, but you have covid and you can't taste it like God. that's how it felt to me. So sorry, Sean, continue. No, just saying, like, I remember that instance because, like, we were all having trouble, uh, like, getting on that night because I remember it would just constantly kick people over and over again. And it, it's really disappointing to see what Halo Infinite has become. Uh, but, God, I forgot all about that night. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's fascinating that they were able to make a game with worse netcode than Splatoon. I oh, you, yeah, you couldn't I party up in Splatoon up until Splatoon 3. You could not party up truly. I don't like that you're accurate with that. Like it, Man. It's, I, I'm still just baffled by it. And I'm still angry every time I think about it. It's one of the few times I get angry about games. And I'm not here to get angry about that uh, today. But looking back 10 years and thinking about, you know, how Halo 3 and, and Reach uh, defined those years uh, for me as a, as a player or as a, as a, a consumer. Yeah. Uh, Halo Infinite is maybe even worse because it, it is... <laughs> I think got a lot of the bones of Halo still there and you can see yeah. how it could have yeah. been very good as you play it you go oh man this part is fun I had fun here and then it's just kind of surrounded by a lot of bad and uh, you, you really look back at Halo and you see like do you remember the Halo I think it was I think it was three commercial uh, with the miniatures and the giant field. Yeah, that's one of the right? best commercials. Yeah, yeah. That one, one of the best commercials ever made. And now Halo doesn't have the budget for a cutscene. Yeah, that's they, right. They, that's right. They tweeted out that they they had to not include a cutscene because they didn't have the budget to do it. And that is where we're at. Where we had one of the most influential, coolest commercials ever made for this property. And today. They are saying, look, we had to prioritize whether or not we wanted to fix bugs or create a cutscene. And I'm not saying that cutscenes are easy to make or that there's not, you know, labor and time that goes into it, but this is a multi-trillion dollar company. And, and they are not putting in enough of a budget to create a cutscene for what was at what point, one point, the flagship property for the entire brand. Yeah. For the entirety yeah. of console gaming, I'll say. For a little yeah. while. What are they? So I guess my question is, what are they not hitting that made Mike, you know, Microsoft or or three four three whoever is determining this budget? What are they not hitting that made them take this budget and maybe make it not enough? So, I don't think they understand Halo. Yeah. Quite so there's that. So you think it's just poor management? So yeah, look. Go ahead, John. Look at look at the difference between. I don't know if you played the single player, but like. The single player, like, you know, when you're doing the story mission compared to multiplayer is very already very different. And it felt like they were trying to make Halo the esports game that's going to take, you know, place of everything. Mm -hmm. And they focused so much on, you know, battle passes and trying to get the esports to go with it that they just kind of like lost what Halo is, which is just fun, chaotic multiplayer. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of strategy that goes into it and skill, but at the same time, like you can just dick around in Halo and just have fun. And it felt like they kind of took that away a little bit. 
So you you reminded me of something else to get angry about, but I want to go back real quick to say uh, the cutscene that uh, Emma is referring to is the cutscene for season four. So a lot of multiplayer battle royale esque games, every time they have a season or um, games as a service, rather not battle royale, uh, they'll have a cutscene to give you the new lore for that season or whatever to get you hooked. Introduce new skins. Yep, yeah. stuff like that. And they just didn't make that this year. It's just a sizzle reel. It doesn't even need to be animated half the time. Um, yeah. So. To, to what M said, they don't know what Halo is, I think, and I, I don't like saying that because it sounds reductive and it sounds very, uh, oh, these guys just can't make this game, but they, they could. The problem is that Halo has, has moved so far away from what it was that in trying to recapture uh, that old gameplay approach it should have come off as novel but they kept trying to shove in modernized styles to it they kept i mean it was not supposed to be a service game at first is one thing yeah it was supposed to be halo 6 not halo forever um yeah and you can tell that when you look at the battle passes because uh i don't know if you guys remember the battle passes but oh i do they were they were um i want to say 100 levels like usual they might have been 70 I, I could be wrong so uh correct me in the comments if i'm wrong uh if you leave a comment Thank you. Uh, leave a nice review as well, please, for uh, if you're on the audio realm. Uh, they really do help get this thing indexed on more platforms, so so please do that. Um, and if you have a bad review, don't. Just don't. Um, so five stars like Amazon, man. <laughs> so so anyway, um, the battle passes, however many levels they were, I want to say only twenty of those levels on the battle pass actually gave you gear because they'd give you a left knee pad and then a right knee pad three levels later. And some of the level ups you'd get for the battle pass, premium or otherwise, because the cool thing that Halo Infinite did was that you could uh, you could choose your battle pass from prior seasons. So they always stacked forever. And I actually really like that. Yeah. But the, the problem is, uh, A, you can only compete for one at a time, so you have to switch back and forth. B, there's no benefit to playing matches well. They may have just changed that in one of the recent updates. I, I'm going to say I'm out of the loop because who the hell is playing Halo Infinite anymore? No. But before, uh, in the old Halo games, you would level up uh, based on experience you would earn for getting kills, double kills, assists, uh, specialty kills, uh, being the MVP, anything like that. And then there were also challenges they introduced in Reach, uh, which is the usual, you know, uh, Call of Duty challenge type st uh, stuff. Excuse me. The problem with infinite is that in halo infinite uh the only way to get experience for a long time was through those challenges and because of that uh you didn't need to play well so i could play i mean we played matches and i was already back on my halo shit i was getting like you know 30 kills a match uh taking mvp carrying sometimes because uh nico was on xbox one so he couldn't see anything and uh the other players were <laughs> not really used to halo anymore or at all yeah. ever and so I would carry and I'd get the same experience as them because you could only get experience for getting a double kill with a grenade. That was your challenge. Yeah. That's it. But the uh, the battle pass, to circle back to that, uh, in those battle passes, you would only get, like I said, 20 um, items as far as gear goes. And a bunch of them were then premium items you still had to buy. Some of them were uh, oh. double XP to then activate for another hour to get more battle pass levels. Some of them were... Uh, level ups like battle uh, level skips i believe was what they were i don't know what they were called officially but they were just ways to give you more experience in the battle pass rather than things uh it wasn't like that's exhausting it, it's disgusting <laughs> that's so exhausting it's, it's actually disgusting because yeah. oh not only God. was it a service game it was a bad service game yeah and there's yeah, no way that... to fix that because the rot is at the center of the tree sorry sean go yeah, ahead and 
the thing that also bothered me, hopefully they fix this, but I remember like, you know, you, you just talked about you were able to get armor pieces and you could like attach mm-hmm. that to your uh, bodysuit and what have you. But you could only do it to specific suits. Like uh, yeah. pieces that you got yeah. can only work with other pieces. I, you couldn't like you had fully armor customize. Cores. I'm reasonably okay with that because it feels like, you know, having a variant of a skin, right? So like I'm reasonably okay with, with them saying, Oh, these pieces are only available for these armor uh chassis. Um, but it was just how it was presented felt bad because you would go through and, you know, maybe you've done 10 levels and now you unlock your one piece of armor and it's for the mech you don't even have yet. Yeah, that's that happened what to felt me. bad. Yeah, so I ended up spending money on cat ears because I wanted to feel something. Versus something like <laughs> a Fortnite, right, where Fortnite will give you a skin in the battle pass and then throughout the battle pass will give you variants of that skin, which feels a little bit better. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And and I, I also am not super keen on the right knee, left knee, right arm, left arm. You could always things. in prior halos, you could always customize that so that you could yeah. uh, get both at once when you leveled up uh, and then you would be able to equip one or the other uh, at your choice. So I don't yeah. understand why um, other than that they were starved for content because the game was delayed mm-hmm. a year one full the xbox did not have a flagship title for a year and yeah. besides flight sim i'm sorry and that that was what they <laughs> that was what they dropped was a year late a quarter of a game with a, and with a to campaign. be honest, their, go ahead, go ahead, their whole UI was just Forza anyway. So it was the Forza upgrade tree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They didn't even like create any, which felt terrible. It felt terrible you, to, to experience me? on a PC. Yeah. If you play Forza, right. And then you play Halo Infinite and just go through the multiplayer uh, upgrade, it's the same. Yeah. It's Aww. the same as upgrading your car. And it just feels really bad. And, yeah, and the worst part to me, I think, is that uh, like we were saying like if you play the campaign you can kind of see some of the promise outside of the fact that there's no reason to play any of the side stuff in the campaign other than a to do it and b to get armor for specifically the master chief armor core for multiplayer so yo armor armored core you're goddamn right god so you could get armor cores (laughs) for the the mark seven or mark six i think it's mark seven now and uh you could get different colors for it. So the, the, the Master Chief armor had the most uh, color vari- variants or variations rather uh, for a significant amount of time, if not to this day, because you could get them by doing bases in the multiplayer, you know, Far Cry style. But there's no experience in, in, in Halo's campaign because they're really, I don't know how you do experience. So it's just kind of, what if we made an open world like Halo 1 sort of promised to be, except now we actually did it. And then they realized partway through that maybe they didn't know what to do with that. So you had a campaign with uh, a really sick-ass grappling hook, uh, some super oh, halo yeah. physics. That was good. Yeah, super halo yeah. physics where you jump and you go 30 feet in the air, and it's amazing. Then you get to the multiplayer where the sliders are turned down to 10%, or maybe it was 25%. Yeah, it- so the grenades don't send vehicles flying anymore because the physics are all set specifically towards that. Like in other Halo games, in Reach, yeah. for example, they lowered your jumping gravity. And the excuse yeah. was, well, you're not a Spartan too, so you can't jump as well because you didn't have so much, ste- so many steroids injected into you. Uh, and that was like, okay, that works. You know, it's whatever. It's lore. They always had lore to the multiplayer. It's cool. Uh, in this one, they don't really ever care to explain it. It's just that you jump lower now, and everything flies worse and explodes worse. And yeah, so it makes like <sighs> Griffball can't exist in modern Halo Infinite. And yeah. Like, 
that that's what I was talking about earlier. Like it just yeah. kind of ruins the experience because it doesn't feel like Halo, but I can play the single player and have an actual somewhat Halo experience. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's it's just damn, it's just so absurdly frustrating, and. Yeah. I, I didn't want to stick on this for too, too long, but whenever we mention Halo Infinite, we just all get mad because how? Yeah, no. How do you so, do this? How do you go well, through 12 directors? Well, it seems like their tastes had changed over time for the worse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> much like Sean's tastes have changed over time. God. Sean. Good what, said. What, yeah. Sean, right. what did you, uh, what'd you bring in for us today? So I have actually uh, two experiences. So... Way back when I was younger, um, I used to play a lot of games on the Super Nintendo, and some of my favorite games ended up being uh, JRPGs, like turn-based JRPGs, uh, like Final Fantasy VI. Love that game. Um, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, Super Mario RPG. I'm so glad that's back. And so I played a lot of those JRPGs, um, and then when the next generation came on the PlayStation, I started drive a little bit away from that i started to focus more on you know i played you know i played xenogears i played digimon world and whatnot but then i started to go into like a different sphere of games um and i pretty much like from the ps2 onward i didn't play like any turn-based games like any whatsoever i've missed out on so many final fantasy series games uh never played a dragon quest until like maybe two years ago so for the longest time, I just stayed away from that stuff. Um, and I had like a lot of different tastes. Uh, we talked about first person shooters. That was really big back in the day. Um, and I focused a lot of time on that type of stuff. Um, until eventually, uh, and th- th- I used to be really big into that. It was 3D platformers and shooters. That's all that mattered to me. Um, like Black on the PlayStation 2 is such a good game. I highly recommend. But anyway, so... Over time, um, I kept hearing about this series we talked about a little bit before. Uh, I heard about Persona, and Persona 5 was coming out. And I was like, "Uh, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? I don't like turn-based RPGs, and I gave it a shot. And Persona 5 ended up being one of my favorite games of all time. And also because of that, um, I would always like play... You know, it's soundtrack in the background and whatnot. And it's very jazzy. Uh, I studied jazz for a little bit in college. It's not really something I'm super into. Well, was super into, I should say. But Persona 5 actually kind of like brought that back for me. Um, And because of that, I started looking into some more... uh, Some more musicians, some more songs, and even learning some more uh, drum beats when it comes to jazz. Because... I, I really like metal music. Uh, that's always been my biggest thing. Like, I'll go into a, a gym and just lift to, like, Ghost Inside and what have you. But hearing, like, 10, 15 years ago, you would not have gotten me to listen to any kind of jazz, anything. <laughs> I Like I said, I studied jazz because it was like, okay, I could study jazz or I could study agriculture. I like music. Um, and... Since then, since Persona 5, I've become a lot more intrigued by jazz. Like, there's actually, there, there's a couple songs I could even, like, recommend. I wrote them down. Um, one of my favorite ones right now is uh, In These Times by McKay McGra- McCraven. Uh, highly recommend. But 
like, I, it's really interesting because how many fundamentals are in jazz that also are within metal. And I never would have thought that until like, I started to listen to it more and started to like break it down. Um, because you could have like Meshuggah drum beats go. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really interesting to hear like jazz and then go to like Meshuggah and see the correlation because you don't expect that. But like, it's definitely there whenever you like really listen to the beat. Yeah. Um, and it's the touch too. There's a bit of the touch in there. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just like feel on your instrument. You know what I mean? Where people give metal, people give metal musicians shit for just playing at like max volume all the time, but they're absolutely not like that's uh that's post-processing generally like people. Oh yeah. If you think that, the drummer from Meshuga can hit the with his feet at max volume all the time, then you don't have an understanding of physics, right? And a lot of that comes from like feathering the kick drum and, and your your fundamentals of drum oh, yeah. techniques that you learn from jazz. And so it's really interesting yeah. for me to hear you have video games be such a positive influence on like your music taste. Yeah. And thus your evolution. Yeah, As like, person. The, the thing for me is, uh, and now, like I said, I've played Persona 5, now I'm playing Persona 4 Golden, and I gave Dragon Quest a chance, and I'm going into... Which Dragon Quest did you give Yakuza a chance to? Yakuza, eventually. But... Sorry, what, Kevin? Which Dragon oh, yeah. Quest did you give a chance to? Uh, the newest one. 11? 11? Okay, yeah. Good. 11's uh, a really good starting point. Um, as yeah. someone who started with... I technically started with 1 and, and 3, but uh, 11 is, is really, really... I mean, and, and I'll say this. Dragon Quest and Yakuza, since you mentioned both together, both mm-hmm. excel at virtual tourism. Yeah, the entirety, which I really like. Yeah, the entirety of the Dragon Quest series is based around the idea of every town being genuinely unique rather than just a bunch of uh, NPCs. So they might have a unique dialect or a, a unique set of mannerisms or a gimmick to the town. Uh, it, almost akin to how like Pokemon has a lot of towns that are just wildly different from one another. Except here, there are actually citizens in it. Except instead of like four people, and yeah, uh, it's it's a it's fascinating to see the two scopes there of virtual tourism in the the grand scope of visiting an entire country or an entire you know continent versus uh, in Yakuza where it's incredibly niched down into uh, most of those games take place on seven square blocks and yet they find new ways to integrate new stuff to each and every one of them. Uh, just two sides yeah. of the same coin, and it's a coin that uh, doesn't really enter circulation all that often. So, so sorry, mm-hmm. continue. So, if oh, you no. had heard, if either of you had heard the term virtual tourism ten years ago, would you have been intrigued with it the way you are today? No, I would have thought that it was like metaverse, where you just sit in and you're like in an airplane. It's like, all right, look, there's Canada down there. You want to stop there? Click the button. All right, now you're in Canada. Look to the left. Look to the right. All right, next spot. It would depend on how it's described to me. Because I consider like Majora's Mask a bit of virtual tourism. Because oh, absolutely! You get to visit uh, the different, the different sub communities, and you get to visit people at every hour of the day and follow their schedule. And I mean, I don't have to explain Majora's Mask to, to anybody. Yeah. we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, top three Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. But virtual tourism is a bit of a nouveau term that mm-hmm. I just think I don't think would have yeah. hit the same ten years ago that oh, it yeah, does no. now. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah no but like like i said over time like it's been interesting because like trying new things has allowed me exp- expand upon things that i already like we just talked about you know turn-based rpgs uh 
jazz music and what have you and how it correlates to like metal it's just really interesting that like sometimes just taking a step out of your comfort zone can open up a whole new world that you're not expecting to actually resonate with you and even push you in other things that you enjoy yeah yeah no absolutely and uh, yeah. and in those worlds, I'm sure that bullying occurs. And m- one Mr. Moriarty has asked us to bully him more. That's true. Um, so MX bunch of letters. Can you please? Uh, what would you bring in? What'd you bring in as your one of your examples right now? <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, I see. Uh, so actually, I, I have five things here. I have five things here, right? And they are all hot takes. I think, um, but. Yeah, we, you know we what? can go around the circle again too. Like it doesn't. We're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna hot take this, all right? So I'm gonna throw out first of all uh, Iron Man in the MCU, right? Which mm. I think was originally for me because this is what 2008 or whatever. Yeah. Um, groundbreaking the the concept of the MCU, the shared universe, right? And yet today, I think we can all agree, formulaic. It, it, it has directly led to this saturation of superhero movies where not, not just of superhero movies of multiverses multiverses yeah. just the whole thing right so if you were to go back 15 years ago you would land it you know the first iron man coming out and you'd be like wow the iron man what a cool movie and then we look forward to today where you just put the word marvel on it and i get that instant Ubisoft fatigue, where it's like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even care. I don't want to watch it. I have no interest in it. You know, I, I don't want to see something called Marvel anymore at all. Like, at Not all. until they do the Marvel Blumhouse collab. That's right. Like, start killing <laughs> off Superman's. I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't want it. I don't want to see it. I, I want them to take a break. I am perfectly fine every time I like I started to feel schadenfreude when I hear things like, oh, Ant-Man was a failure. It's like, good. Mm -hmm. Stop watching it. Stop watching it, you know, and it would be different if this was all high quality stuff, but it's goddamn not. These movies are bad. Um, Nowadays, it well, people have gotten used to the look of money. Do you agree? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sure the one that gets catch. me that this is where I really left the MCU um, pretty close to fully, actually. It, it was WandaVision because it was mm. during COVID era. We're all at home. They put out this show and the first three episodes are magnificent. Like they are just stellar uh, combination of, of, of satire and, and genuine, um, genuinely inspired by different eras of television and moving through those eras of television. And I loved the idea of seeing the, the perspective uh, and the aspect ratio change as you got to different parts of, of the episodes or the episode one is in color or in black and white episode two is in color. Mm-hmm. And then they move into 16, nine or 21, nine, actually, I guess. Uh, and it becomes a regular Marvel thing. And I yep. just, I just glazed over. And oh. I, I got so disappointed because I was like, man, it promises you something it. that it doesn't deliver on. It. Loki was you the know? same way. Uh, Falcon and the yeah. Winter Soldier was was mid uh, and from front from front to back. Front to well, back. Well, yeah. Mean, since we started talking about like the mismanagement of these properties by the businesses, there is a, an, a point to be made about how they're moving too fast. And especially like WandaVision is where I think that started. 
that they're moving too fast to keep track of the changes that the other movies are making. And so I that don't, they I don't, don't think it matters. You say mismanagement, but they've made more money off of yeah, this than I, anything else. Sure, I don't think I'd sure, agree with sure. mismanagement. I think it's just that it's managed not for us. Yeah, it's okay. meant it's meant to appeal to a very certain kind of person, and I just don't uh, I don't I don't like it anymore. Okay, um, I'm I'm gonna immediately jump off into Avatar after that because I watched Avatar two last night and it feels like pretty perfect to to uh, correlate you know this ten year journey that we saw between Avatar and Avatar two where um, it didn't change the movie I I did not enjoy Avatar two at all I thought it was very very bad movie I think it is actively unenjoyable uh, outside of the slice of life anime moments that are um, ironically detracting directly from the plot. If they turn that into a film where it was uh, uh, Discovery, Planet Earth, Avatar, right? Like, that's a great film where you get to see these fish water people, you know, doing whatever. The graphics were I mean, absolutely mind blowing, but the story was terrible and uh, uh, it actively, actively ruined the entire Avatar thing for me. And I started thinking because, you know, we're going to do this, uh, this podcast. And I was like, wow, that's been, you know, whatever, 10 years since the original Avatar. Uh, And I think that Avatar 2 is so bad that it actively made me dislike the original Avatar. And I think this kind of uh, uh, is the big overarching storyline of my character, right, change over 10 years, is I've become a lot more critical. I mean, a lot more critical when it comes to entertainment and media, when it comes to video games, when it comes to movies, when it comes to music. I am being much more critical when I I approach it. I'm being much more critical when I watch it. I'm not sort of consuming as uh, as blindly as I was. And Av- Avatar is really kind of like my poster child for that. I think that was a, a really unenjoyable experience. Um, now, I have Skyrim. Oh, oh go ahead. I, I was going to say, because you said that, and Skyrim also ties into this, um, how much do you feel that your job in content creation has helped uh, inspire or inform that change in in analysis. Oh, definitely, right? Like, once you start playing a video game and, and you start kind of getting into the habit of being like, okay, but I need to look at this. What do I really think? How do I, you know, diagnose my feelings at the time? And you start to kind of do that self-inventorying as you're doing these things. Uh, I, I believe it becomes habitual, and once it becomes habitual... It's there forever, right? Like yeah. that's a habit you're not going to break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I in I don't know that I enjoy games and movies as basic as I used to, right? Like I used to just kind of sit there and be like, "Oh, you just turn your brain off." And now I hear, "Uh, oh, just turn your brain off." And I'm like, "God damn it. I shouldn't have to do that." Ha. Dude, well, actually, I think this is something we can all weigh in on because uh my journey in in that regard, right? Of like in terms of how how I consume the media, um, I am nowadays less critical, but more staunch in my opinions, if that makes sense. So back in the day, I, you know, I wasn't shy about my opinions back then either, to be clear, but you know, I spent so much time liking Harry Potter as a kid. Um, but then I thought about it and I, didn't like Harry Potter and now I'm indifferent about it because I don't know where I actually stand and I'm staunchly indifferent about it. Right. But, uh, when I think about like, uh, things that I 
don't like, right? It tend to be like musicals and Disney and sorry, Sean, um, Disney <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say musicals, Disney and Sean. And Sean. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I knew you 10 years ago for sure. Um, yeah, it was awful. No, but yeah. Uh, so, you know, they tend to be like that, that brand of, of cringe, right? I've said before that certain brands of cringe align with my vibe and certain brands of cringe don't. And these happen to be ones that don't. And I'm very, very, very secure in that opinion. And it's not changing anytime soon. Right. But, uh, I'm less critical of things. Like if I hear good stuff, I'm like, oh, that's good. Right. I'll be like, that's good quality. I can see where the art was put into this, but God damn, I don't like it. Um, yeah, I know. Kevin and Sean, do you guys have, I, I know from my perspective, I think that, uh, taking on that critical lens of things more actually, uh, in a weird, uh, way contrary to what you guys were both kind of saying, I think no, no, me- I didn't get to say what I was saying. <laughs> That's fair. I, can, I actually believe that, first, yeah. like the things I like more, uh, the things I like, I like more, and the things I dislike, I dislike more. It's just that I'm not as easily, uh, um, I guess, impressed. Right? I'm not okay. as yeah. easy to to please. Um, when something is is mid, I'm very anti. Again, you know, like I, I I find what I do and don't like about these things. So when I do like it, I feel that I enjoy it more. Because I have a way of saying what I like and what I didn't like. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I meant more in the sense of like, like we were talking about, having that critical lens can make you enjoy things less. Or it makes it more of a, of a, a, a what's the word here? The, the discourse gets polarized. Because either way, you're, you're either leaning one way or the other more heavily. I think that generally speaking... Uh, in part thanks to content and, and in part thanks to uh, one particular film class I took, which was just about formally analyzing different movies or, or, or TV or any sort of cinema that I just took for an extra credit. I think I mentioned it once before in the podcast. Um, I think that, that made me appreciate those things more. Like I was never a huge movie guy. And mainly because I was one of those weird ones where I'm like, well, you can only do so much in three hours. So, yes, it's impressive if you can tell a good story. And now it's three hours, thanks to Marvel. But before that, it was, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And I was like, well, I could just watch a a show that has, you know, 12 hours per season and it runs longer and you don't have to wait as long and you get more out of it. Or, you know, in the case of video games, it's like, oh, here's 70 hours of game and you just get it all at once, except for Halo Infinite, where you get nothing. And I think uh, because of like that class in particular, I started analyzing things more based on the behind the lens perspective, if that makes sense. And that made me kind of appreciate a lot of them uh, a lot more than I think I did prior, which is an interesting thing because, you know, I mean, we've all gotten dinged for, oh, why are you so negative? And it's like, I'm critical. I'm not negative, you know, mm-hmm. and Meanwhile, I'm like, I think I'm more positive than I used to be. It's just that if I don't like something, I'm like, well, people want me to talk about that. You know, I'm expected to have an opinion now. And uh, that's fine. You know, I'm not afraid to not have an opinion. But the 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 trade-off of the of the job, essentially, is that I think it uh, it made me sound more negative when I'm really, I feel more positive, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Sean, what about you? Well, uh, for, for me... I, the way that I am and have always been 
is I've always looked at things critically, but at the same time, I am able to just be like, yeah, it's, it's a game and I'm just going to shut my brain off and do things. Um, however, I do also hyper fixate on certain things. So I'll try to look into the themes, look into the psychology and stuff like that. And then I will hyper fixate, like, what is this person? What does this mean? And go into, you know, what kind of story did they want to tell with the gameplay? Because it's really interesting to me when it comes to like, say, video games, uh, to look at how the gameplay can also tell a story and how they were able to implement that um, and to see if there's any kind of con connection or disconnect there. But for me, it's just kind of always been the same. Like, I just like things, and if I'm super into it, I'll dive into the lore, I'll dive into the writing, go behind the scenes. Um, I don't know, I, I'm... There are some games I'm very critical on, but overall, I think I'm just overly positive about 98% of everything. 1% uh, is Glover, and the other percent is myself. But... it's <laughs> valid. Glover. Valid. Yeah. I like that Glover's the one that made you laugh, not me. But ninety nine percent hot gas. Yeah, but uh, I still get hate mail for that. But um, for me, whenever I started to like look into things more critically, it just like helped me get my voice out there. If that makes any sense, like I was more like, yeah, this is how I feel, and I put it into words. Um, my thing, though, how I create stuff is most of it is very improv. Like I write down like what like my one thought. And then I'll just go off of that. And that's what I record. Um, so I think just, I don't know. It, it's an interesting time for me, honestly. I, I don't know. I like to yell happy things, but then also yell angry things. And that is just yeah. me. That's, that's valid. You are, you are a sports fan. Em, you were talking about, about yeah, that's true. You were, we're talking about, about Skyrim that. a bit ago um, before I yes. cut you off there, Em. So, so jump back to Skyrim because I want to hear that. I don't have any any big thing to talk about Skyrim. It's just a good example of like the type of thing that that I've become, and I think it it fits into that that criticalness, right? It was something that I, I praised when it came out. It was this. You know, huge, expansive player freedom kind of mm -hmm. experience, and then you look at it over time, and and now I can. I can put in what I don't like about it. And I think it, I wouldn't say that it harms it, but it definitely makes it so that I don't want to play Skyrim again. Uh, it is repetitive. It's got a lack of depth. And quite frankly, compared to, to any of the open world games that came out afterwards, it's really hard to say that you should go play Skyrim. Well, uh, I'll give it credit that it's better than Fallout 4. But yeah, well, yeah, but, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, no, even I know, then, I know. I'm Skyrim and Fallout are the same game. Yeah, um, it's just Skyrim is not something that I think uh, uh, I can recommend, and I don't think that we will look at it as a a fond game over time. I think it 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 will die out, right? Like, it's not a good game to play today. Comparatively, it was very much of its time, and uh, as time continues, I think it'll leave Skyrim in the dust. I don't yeah. know, because, I mean, I, I still play it. I know many people that still play Skyrim. The the thing with Skyrim, to me, is that it is very repetitive, and, like, you can do a lot of the same things, like the whole, you know, stealth archer build that a lot of people do. But there's still so many weird things that you can do within that world that kind of makes every playthrough a little different, because you're like, oh, I'll do this instead and this instead. And I think... With Skyrim, it's more about the we, we talked about this earlier is the uh, visual, uh, what's visual tourism, and that's kind of what Skyrim is when you think about it because the story itself isn't that 
much, but it's the journey that you're taking, the random people you run into, the bandits, the all the crazy stuff that happens. It's really just you going and doing rather than the story pushing you. Um, because I, I think Skyrim's story is very bare bones. Um, it's just left a lot to be desired, but like, I think what a lot of people hold on to, including myself, I, I am guilty of this, is that nostalgic feeling. Like, the first time you booted up that game, you just went for it. You remember all the weird, chaotic stuff that happened because, like, again, it's a Bethesda game. Things, things break. But it's so interesting to me because, like, while it's repetitive, everyone's journey is different. And I... Is it the best game ever? No, but I do think a lot of people look back on it fondly because of the memories they made. Um, but I, I mean, I totally get where you're coming from because, like, there are games that have come out that like give that open world experience a much better feel, a much better story. But for me, it's just again, it's that visual tourism that we talked about. I just loved exploring Skyrim. I mean, I just played it literally last night because I was trying to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I so, guess then the the next one that I have. <laughs> yeah. Fallout this 76. One, this one so th- this is a fun one for me. Um mm-hmm. is Far Cry 3. And uh I think this is an interesting piece of media because I have both learned to appreciate and not appreciate it in different ways as time has gone by. When the when Far Cry Three came out, it was just kind of like, oh wow, look at this interesting thing. You know, it was a fun time to to you know play a game and shoot some some badgers and uh, you know whatever. But now, as time's gone by, right, I view it very differently. I I feel I find that the story of Far Cry Three is really compelling to me. Uh, I, I like the story of of this sort of descent into madness. And mm-hmm. the inability of uh, Brody to be able to handle the murders and, and, and trauma that he's experiencing. Brody. While, it's it's yeah. accurate to, to yeah. real life. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. accurate. I think that's really, really interesting. You know, but then I also can say in the exact same story how it fails very badly to fall into that sort of white savior trope. And when looking at the gameplay saying, oh, it was, you know, super unique and compelling. And then you look at it today and boy, it's just Far Cry Ubisoft fatigue thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think, I don't think I could play Far Cry 3 again, even though I think it's really, really fascinating. And it's one of those where I didn't appreciate the story at the time. And today I really appreciate the story and uh, I really love the gameplay. And today I hate it. Yeah, did you I, play the uh, DLC? I yeah, I mean, I played the shit out of that game. Valid. I think <laughs> uh, you mentioning that just—I didn't even think about the Assassin's Creed games because they're just nothing to me anymore. Like, I just actively yeah. don't think about most of Ubisoft's uh, output. And you know, in the same era that we're talking about, I played the hell out of Assassin's Creed one uh, into two immediately, so more so two. Uh, and Brotherhood, and then I mean I've said it before on the podcast. As soon as I, uh, as soon as they announced Revelations, I was done because I was like, I know where this is going now, and I just haven't thought about Ubisoft pretty much at all since, outside of the the references to Ubisoft towers, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Climb the tower, yeah. see the map. Yeah. yeah. And even that is in in Far Cry Three, and every yeah. Assassin yeah. after that, and every Far Cry after that, and it's it's a thing every where Ubisoft I game. think. 
every Ubisoft yeah. game. I mean, it's even in in the division in some ways where you have to go into yeah. the, the safe houses to unlock the things around it. Now, and um, you boy, one... it's just sorry a sorry, thing okay. where. Well, no, I, I, I'm just kind of uh, summarizing where, you know, Far Cry is is sort of all the worst and the best of Ubisoft to me. I, I was going to yeah. say, I know you have one more, but uh, this posits an interesting question as well, which is, uh, do you feel, and this is for a roundtable for all of us here, um, and this actually is for those that are listening uh, in the, the live stream chat as well. Let us know in the chat because I'm curious what, what, what you folks will say. Um, do you feel that 10 years older version of you today uh, has better taste or is, is more... Uh, rounded or less rounded than your past self with regards to looking at what you've played or what you've consumed 10 years ago versus today. Uh, I think it's one of those things where like, as you become more critical, since I mentioned that, right, becoming more critical by definition, you become more discerning. So I think that, that if I were to say, what is my taste versus a a 10 year old, a 10 year ago, me, uh, it is certainly, more discerning, I would say that the tastes I have are more refined. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm kind of um, I have worse taste, but I have a wider breadth of what I enjoy. If that makes sense, because my my journey, which we'll get to eventually, has just been one of opening my mind, and by virtue of that, I've experienced a lot more things. And I like a lot more things, but my taste is worse for reasons I'll get into later. Sean? Okay. Uh, mine has just kind of been the same. Like I said, I just try things that I used to like and then find a connection to what I currently like. It's just, I just try to keep an open mind and doing new things. I think, um, I think for me, it's uh, sort of uh, in line with what M said, where I think by being more discerning, I do have that wider palette of things. But also that comes with, in my my personal case, uh, I grew up really friggin' poor. You know, I didn't have many things to consume. Uh, There was a while where we didn't have uh, cable at the house or internet at the house for a little bit because that was just a bill we couldn't really afford. So a a lot of my middle school, like one of my years in middle school, uh, the main thing I had was playing fucking madden 06 uh <laughs> smackdown versus raw one of the wwe games i don't remember which one and uh, i had like three family guy dvds and that was that was pretty much it that was my media for like I, I came back to to having cable and reality tv had blown up and i was like what the hell is this like what when did we leave scripted television and when did all this stuff change and why is cartoon network not cartoons anymore and I think because of uh, having, for those that are watching the video version of this podcast, all of all of that behind me, uh, most of which I bought when I was no longer poor, but probably shouldn't have bought. So I just have a lot of shit that I got to probably sell. But yeah. having, He's pointing to the game shelf for the audio listeners. Yes, yes. Uh, having all of those games and having all of those, you know, Blu-rays or, or uh, having access to things like Netflix, which really weren't uh, a thing 10 years ago if you go all the way back. You know, we're talking 2012 was the first season of House of Cards, I think. Uh, and Orange is the New Black. Was it 2012 or was it 2013? 
Uh, I think 2013. So 10 years ago, before 10 years ago, we didn't have streaming as we know it. It was a thing, but it was because of those two shows that the entire media landscape we're in now is this gold mine of stuff that you better watch before it gets delisted. But it's a gold mine of stuff uh, that's more accessible than ever. Yeah. Did you see that there was a Grease show that came out like literally like this past week and they took it It off? It was Paramount, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Paramount Plus took it out like after yeah. two days. There's a Frogger Grease. show we found out yesterday. Peacock has God. a Frogger TV show. So uh, to answer the question that I asked, my taste is worse because I want to watch that Frogger show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do watch a lot more things ironically nowadays, too, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I know like I've watched several things ironically that I now just enjoy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, um, to, yeah. To- to circle back to, to the point there is that I think having that wider uh, palette of things, it's no different than if you're a kid and you start eating fish for the first time and you're like, oh, OK, I, I don't like this too much. And then seven years later, you're like, oh, my taste buds have uh, rolled over, uh, for lack of yeah. a better term. You know, they've you have to continually trying new things. And I think because of that and because of having a, a, a buffet that I could now consume, uh, I'm definitely better off for if my my current self is better off than 10 year prior me um sure. M, you had one more i believe right yeah but to follow on with that you know sure, sure. The, the same sort of thing um there is such a huge a huge and deep ocean of content out there that i feel with my more critical eye towards these things i'm also able to find and, and filter things so that when i do like something I feel that I'm investing my time in it more because there's more of that. Whereas if I don't like something, I'm less willing to watch a bad show. I'm less willing mm-hmm. to continue a bad movie. I'm less willing to listen to music that I'm not enjoying immediately because I know there's so much more out there. Yeah. And, and so, even yeah. in the modern Internet era, the hooks uh, that we need to have, both in terms of our content here and in the general landscape, I mean, songs have gotten shorter. Songs have gotten like what a minute yeah. shorter on average because of yeah. that 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 ocean, like you said, of of content that's instantly available for free. So you need to make your songs two minutes so you get those streams in, so you get people yep. hooked. You just have the hook and and the refrain, and you're done. Um, yeah, yeah, but and at, yeah, go ahead. And speaking of songs, you can find uh, the Crub Kids. It's bits up in a minute, so we got we got to do this obligatory. Okay, I'm gonna make all of our listeners a deal. That you can find us at the Crubcast on anywhere that you find podcasts and some places that you find music. I'll because you were you. just talking about songs. Go to, go to crub.org make... and you'll have Wait, access. Wait, do we have that? Yeah, we've had crub.org. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Go to crub.org. Wow. It'll redirect you right to uh, where you can find every single podcast. Uh, for those of you that are watching when this goes live on Friday. Yeah. Um, by then it will be up currently for those that are watching live. I, I will do that when the stream is over. <laughs> but it'll be there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It will be well, done. And, uh, and you know, you can find the Crubcast anywhere you get your podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Most importantly, please, please, please share. And also leave a good review. Only leave a review if it's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I don't think and, the share um, bit works unless Chris puts up a picture of share for the video listeners now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will. He will. Yeah. He will. He better. Well, no, no. But we need we need people to get the word out, right? These these are yeah, words yeah. that are important. This is an important exercise for everybody to go through. I swear. Yeah. Assess like I said, where 
assess your change over 10 years. Sorry, Sean, what'd you say? Like you said, like I said, if we get a thousand followers, uh, by the end of July, (laughs) where I will pierce my nipples, where not your nipples, the, the followers. Oh, that, uh, that's a good question. Everywhere. Yes. Yes. So, so on any one platform or cumulatively? Uh, let's do, oh, let's do YouTube. So subscribers. Oh, yeah. That'll, so, that'll be pretty soon. Yeah, that, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave me another video to make Sean just channel. Sean just <laughs> wants a... Sounds yeah. like you just want a nipple piercing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. if, this, if this podcast has one listener, I'll get my nipples pierced and I'm just like listening to it oh. like 20 minutes later. Yeah. But yeah, so so you can find us at Crub Official uh, everywhere except Twitch, which is at Crub underscore official. That will be moot soon. We are planning a move to youtube eventually yeah. so keep an eye out for yes. that thanks twitch um <clears throat> yeah and uh and make sure to tune in for the exclusive pre and post shows anyway i'm gonna do mine now no no i have given to my <laughs> okay so the the one that i think that we'll all agree on right uh, okay that that the the perception of this has changed so drastically over 10 years you think of thrones this is one of those things where, again, I think this is maybe a bit of a hot take, but but everyone maybe will agree, is uh, GTA V, right? Yep. Which, when it came out, hugely great game, engaging story, all the characters in this huge open world. Um, but have we seen any GTA V DLC, any single-player expansions? Have we seen anything that wasn't GTA Online? Have we seen? It's been ten no. years. It's ten years now. And also, GTA was like the coolest thing when it came out. Like everybody oh, yeah. was playing it and like talking about it. And now it's like numerically speaking, yeah, I guess quote unquote everybody plays it, but mm-hmm. it's not in the zeitgeist the way that it was. It's in the zeitgeist now as like, oh yeah, I play GTA. Oh cool, whatever you know. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. I'll give you that because yeah. I was gonna you say know what? Like, I want. It's the most viewed game on YouTube aside yeah, from Minecraft most, every it's year. It's like yeah. the, the, the most profitable game of all time. It's made yeah. like $8 billion. Yeah. To put that into comparison, right? Avatar, both avatars combined have made half of what GTA 5 has made. But mm-hmm. it's been 10 years. It's going to be 10 years in September. That is mm-hmm. the 10-year anniversary of GTA 5. Another re-release, wow. baby. God, that's insane. Yeah, yeah with, with with yeah. HD it's textures. Happen. It's gonna happen. No, yeah, with more HD uh, textures. With, a, a, with oh, yeah. a quote unquote HD textures. It's gonna be it's gonna be worse God. textures. Actually, Sorry. they're gonna market it as being play it like it originally yeah. was. Sorry, Sean, you were saying something. No, I need to now see if GTA Five has more congr- uh, current players than Halo Infinite. It does. Oh yeah, it almost certainly does. It has more yeah, concurrent 100%. players. Like that's... On, it has more concurrent viewers on Twitch right now. Than Halo oh. has players yeah. in the last month. Yeah, like it's not. That's even, what like, I was it's not close. That's oh, this, what I was getting yeah. at with like it being numerically a huge, huge part of the zeitgeist, but just culturally, has it really had that much of an impact? Um, monetarily, Especially yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Sorry, not to jump on you again, but no, you're like, right. Though GTA used to be like the peak of controversy, and they forced that uh, that torture scene in a gta 5 to try and get controversy and no one really cared anymore because no that, that that overton window has moved so far that like it, no one cares like before yeah. every gta game was aiming for controversy and that was yeah. what it was known for it was the the bad boy and now it's just it's just uh the most commercialized thing that you can fucking imagine besides marvel uh, 
dude, it's, uh, it's, um, it's what people perceive Axl Rose to be, right? What? Of course, I'm going to argue that Axl Rose is still an absolute rock star, right? But there are people who are not really into the scene who see him as like a washed up guy who like lost the, lost the magic, right? I disagree with that. And I think any Guns N' Roses fan will disagree with that because Axl Rose is still great. But like GTA is just washed up, right? It's like, it's, uh, it's like Crush 40. It's like Crush 40. Like it just wants so badly to be something it's not uh, or something it used to be rather. Yeah. Where did this go? Like, what, what, you went from Axel Rose to GTA. 5 <laughs> well, because I, I couldn't think of anybody 40. washed. I couldn't think of anybody actually washed up. But like, because Axel Rose is not actually washed up. Like, he's still got it. I mean, you, you know, said, you could have said Maroon like Seb- Five, uh, like Sebastian Bach. No, no, because Maroon Five is not like rock stars. Like, they're they've always been pop guys. Yeah, like, sure. I'm thinking like rock stars. Like, I'm thinking like Sebastian Bach. Your uh, who else is like a, a metal saint? Like, who's washed up? Like uh, uh, Brett Michaels? Like Brett Michaels? Brett Michaels? You know, um, uh, Kevin it? said they. Kevin said GTA was the bad boy, and now it's not the bad boy anymore. Oh, is that's that what, what you did the whole Axl Rose thing? Okay, that's what I'm that's... getting at. It's washed up. <laughs> it I'm just doesn't d- have the bite that it used to. Keep digging the, the bite of '87. The bite of '87. Yeah. <laughs> What's your? Anyway. What are your things? Yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, wow, we've been talking for vi- about video games for a long time. Um, so, uh, yeah, you guys know I always come in with the wild card. Um, and I'm just going to start talking about, um, in 2012, I was watching The Office. Um, in 2012, I was watching The Office. Now, um... I understand. Oh, uh, the trapped guy. That's a good one. That's a good guy who was washed up. Sorry, go back to that. But going forward, um, you know, in in 2012, 2013, when I was watching The Office all the way through, right? I think it had ended at that point already, or if it hadn't, it was close to it. It was well, it was um, well over by then. Yeah, Parks and Rec I th- only I, ended a year later. Right, I thought so. Yeah. Um, and so you know, around this time, I loved. The Office. I watched it. I loved it. Right? I watched it. I was like, this is a great show. Good characters, good writing, funny. Haha. Um, and now, 10 years after having watched it, looking back on it, the state of television was so much better outside of it. And I'm not sure if the people who really love it just haven't watched anything else. Because they they can't like there's no way, right? Parks and Rec is just so much better for the similar format, you know, and obviously very very different humor, but much funnier. You connect with the characters better. They didn't try to take. Uh, what I didn't realize at the time is that the office tried to take background, like extras, like non TV trained people, or at least not as much, uh, and put them into the limelight, right? And give them these characters and make them kind of run with it, right? But Parks and Rec brought in professionals from day one, and I really liked that, and I really respected that, and I connected with those characters just a lot more. And um, I don't think I realized that for several years after watching The Office, because I did defend it, like, pretty staunchly for quite a while, until I saw 
the rabid way people were consuming it and not consuming anything else. And as we know from me bringing this topic to the table, I believe very much in personal growth and personal change. And I think that watching the same show over and over and over and over again, right in the same period of time, maybe shows a lack of willingness or rather a trepidation to change. Um, and I just know too many people who have not given other shows a chance because of The Office. Um, discuss. <laughs> yeah, I never cared about The Office and I still don't. I, Incredible. I get annoyed when I think about The Office solely because people play it up as a bigger show than it was when it aired. It only yeah. exists because of uh, two things. One, it was uh, the Christmas episode was put on every iPod during Christmas 2004, I believe was mm. the year. And two, streaming. Uh, if not for those two things, uh, that show would be canceled after one season. And uh, I I get annoyed because that became NBC's golden child, despite not actually performing all that well in the ratings. If you compare it to other shows of the same era, like a Scrubs, for example, a show that's been more or less forgotten by the general zeitgeist, despite having it yeah, better than well, the so Office. That, yeah, that's that another one for me. My tastes have not changed with Scrubs. I watched it shortly after watching The Office, and that is my favorite show. Scrubs yeah, is super enjoyable. Hands yeah. down. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's Great. one where that was, that was the chosen show after uh, Friends. That was the one that was going to succeed Friends to the point that there are jokes in the show about like, referencing Friends vaguely. Yeah. And uh, solely because of the iPod stuff with The Office, that became the new golden child. But if you look at their ratings, it wasn't really that much of a difference between them. And I think up until season six, Scrubs still had the lead by a significant amount over The Office. And yeah. so this is purely vendetta. I'm not going to lie to you. But it, it bothers me because uh, I think that the show that maybe should have been more forgotten, not necessarily forgotten entirely, but the show that could have faded more, got uh, bumped up to like a mash level of permanence in the the television zeitgeist when yeah. the show that was the mash successor in scrubs has just mostly been relegated to t-mobile ads yeah, yeah. and you look know? and look right the office was good it was pulpy it was it's fun it's a good watch you know if yeah if yeah. you want to invest eight or nine eight nine seasons nine seasons worth of watching uh you know a show where the characters who are not Steve Carell get good for the last two seasons seasons. And that's it. Yeah. And I think that was the other thing too, that pissed me off is that people like, obviously Michael Scott, I think is a good character, right? A, a compelling character, a character that's fun to watch and funny. Right. But they didn't flesh out the other characters enough for my taste Again, virtual tourism, right? This is virtual tourism in a show. It's slice of life. They're I in love, a, an office. I love visiting yeah. right? cubicles. That's what I do in my oh. spare time. It yeah. helps you get a flavor for the landscape, okay? Um, but so Steve Carell, they they highlighted him so much, him and, and Jim sometimes, right? But even then, seasons eight and nine, like the last seasons, because Michael Scott left season seven, right after he left, they really fleshed out Jim and Pam's relationship. They gave them some human bits to chew on and they brought the other characters into the fold because now after seven years, they have finally been trained for TV and they finally have gotten good at it. Right. Whereas 
Parks and Rec didn't need that. You know, Park, Parks and Rec outside of, of one season being The Office, it just immediately, yeah. as soon as you would season two, it's off and running. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah. and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that that first season was was very good. It was mid or below, but the rest of the seasons were just good fun and Con- good continually, writing, continually better, compelling. Yeah, in many different ways, and Scrubs the same way. Scrubs is a compelling start to finish. Obviously, the very very beginning a little bit rocky but every sitcom is you got to find your voice right honestly um, i i would disagree with you i think that the pilot is a it's a pilot so it's there's some characterizations that are a little bit different some character traits that it, are a little bit different it's the um, elliot characterization that i'm and, thinking and specifically, of specifically that one yeah. episode but after that once they got greenlit uh they give you everything that scrubs is going to be in the first four episodes and yeah. you know from episode four yeah. onward that you're like this show is to be taken not just as a comedy like it's going to go places and, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's here, it's here to pilot, make you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aside mm-hmm. from that pilot episode. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's still good. It's yeah. just it's just it's mostly JD. Yeah. And also, yeah. like, I'm viewing it with through we are viewing it through the, the lens of the burden of knowledge where we know these characters very well. Going back and watching them meet each other for the first time is going to have a bit of that cringiness to it yeah. that yeah. you don't get upon a first watch through. Yeah. Well, even and even then, if you look at Doctor Cox from the first episode onward, he is just immediately he knew exactly what his character mm-hmm. like. He's leagues ahead of everyone else. Absolutely, and that's yeah. the point because they ready. cast and Carla too, and Carla yeah. too, and, and they cast Zach mm-hmm. Braff specifically because, in the same way as The Office, they wanted someone who was going to struggle in the role because that's uh, that's how the character is going to to show in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he, they wanted someone who's not necessarily a trained, super good actor. It's just some kid who will probably drown. In, in this in the show and yeah. it's sink or swim and the you know figured out just like the show's main theme yep um anyway and, uh, you had you others know, well, beyond that, that right sorry well, keep, keep, no, oh no, yeah keep, i keep i, just, going, I have going. one other i have yeah. one other thing i do want to get to but but just to like kind of round yeah, yeah. this out right um as far as just like growing and maturing and changing as a person right um i watch these shows with a critical lens absolutely pretty much from start to finish right but I watch them with a critical lens from more of like a macro level. Whereas nowadays I'm kind of more interested in that nitty gritty character work. And why are these characters doing these things? And how can that help us understand sort of human nature as a whole? Because does art imitate life or does life imitate art? It's a very big question with things like this that kind of reflect the state of the world at that time, but also reflect the state of emotions continuously and in perpetuity. Um, And these are just questions that I think about nowadays when I watch these shows that are really interesting to me that I don't have the answers to. Um, But I never asked these types of questions back then because I've changed as a person and I've grown and developed um, as we all have. Right. So another thing well, for me, what? <laughs> I was gonna say, well, eh, kinda. If you haven't, you should. You should consider it. It's great. Nah, not um, worth it. But work. <laughs> L L take. Um, so the other thing that I brought in um, is music. Uh, just music. Just, uh, yeah, it's it's my music taste, right? Like I was I was thinking back to like what 
I listened to in 2012. And as some of, as you guys on the pod, as you guys on the pod already know, um, but as our audience might not know, I was pretty much around and like on the scene for like the, the inception of like, like that piff style rap, you know, that kind of rap, right. Internet rapping, but like just after the kid Cudi phase. Right. So, um, it was something that I had legitimately thought of just like, again, I don't really want to make YouTube videos anymore, but I had thought of making a video essay on this, just painting a picture of the times because the state of music and the state of hip hop was so, so interesting back then, just as it is now with the O block stuff, except the O block stuff is much more serious, I think. Um, and much more just real and people are actually seeing a lot of dire, dire consequences from it. But back then it was just the internet. It was the internet's not real life. And soldier boy can release as many songs as he wants to. And Lil B is doing a satire on rappers and saying anyone can be a rapper and stay humble. Right. Um, nowadays, you know, I still like that really shitty sound of music where it clearly was made by a person and not a team. Um, you know, when you see your, um, you see everybody coming out of Detroit right now, right? You got your baby Trons and, and your other, like your TJX sixes, right? Your Detroit guys who have teams behind them now. Yes, but they are doing their own thing and I love it. Um, and that is what I loved about the early internet, that, that piff era, right? Um, but moving away from that, right, I went back and listened to some of the songs today that I listened to in 2013. And one thing that I have realized is not just myself, but I think everybody, society as a whole, has gotten used to what I call the sound of money. Um, it is the sound of money because it's people paying experienced engineers and producers to produce an engineer their music and make it sound perfect, right? One of the things that I think people really loved about, for example, Daft Punk Random Access Memories is that it's not a perfect record. It really isn't. It's a disco record. It's not a mathematically perfect record as the previous Daft Punk records had been computerized. The robots became human. They learned how to love. That's their whole arc for four albums. They learned how to love. It's awesome, right? And people like that, and I like that. What we don't hear in music nowadays, we, we, what we do hear, rather, is the same sound, the same type of mixing, and the same everything. Now, I do still love that. I think music has overall gotten better, and I think that people don't appreciate how hard it is to make a good pop song. It's a lot easier to make music people don't like that certain people are rabid for than it is to make mid music that everybody likes, right? It's really hard to do that. Um, back in 2012 and 2013, I think the rappers had the sauce. You know, I think you had your futures and you had your, um, at the time, Kanye West, who I no longer support, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, you had your Pusha T was like just kind of getting out of that clips realm and he was getting, a, getting into him himself, right? Um, it was awesome. And that was the upper caliber, right? Future at the time was on Dat Piff. He was still like a, like a SoundCloud rapper, right? But 
um, your Kanye's, your uh, Pusha T's, your Jay Z's, um, Big Sean at that time. They all had that production support that now I listen to it and anyone can make that music on a laptop and mix it and mix it to sound like it sounded in 2013. I could mix a song from 2013. If I was born 10 years earlier, I could be the most successful producer and engineer, right? Because of assuming my timeline stays the same. Um, and, you know, I guess that's not as much of how my tastes have changed, but more so how my perception of things have changed and how my skill has changed. But where, to cap this off, where my tastes have really changed is that nowadays, and this is why I say that my tastes have become worse from, from earlier. I'm capitalizing on this. I'm paying this off. Uh, my tastes have gotten worse because now I only listen to music that I could feasibly make. Oh. Uh, and I, I really have trouble listening to songs where people are too good at what they do uh, and where they've paid too much money to have it done. I still love these songs. They come on and I love them, right? I love Dua Lipa, for example, right? Amazing music. Some of the best music uh, this side of 2020, right? Um, but man, I don't go out of my way to listen to it. And I, I feel bad about that um, because I know how good it is. And I want to get there. But the thing is, I still listen to emo rap produced by just bedroom kids on a laptop. And it is what it is. But... Uh, yeah, my tastes have gotten worse, but I guess I've started thinking more critically about it. It's such a weird take to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to say I that, know. That you, you I know. won't listen to it because you can't make it yourself because it's too good. That's yeah, I know. such a weird, Well, not yet. Weird not take. yet. Not like, yet, right? My, my tastes have still been evolving as I've been growing as a producer, and I've been listening to more and more complex and well-produced music because I know techniques now that can get me there but it just until i learn those techniques it, it's just a weird cognitive barrier you know this thing's too good and i can't replicate it <laughs> so i'm not gonna listen to it that's why i don't sit in chairs it just it, <laughs> it just doesn't vibe with me it just doesn't vibe like i don't know yeah i'm excited for your joe para arc where you learn to make chairs so you can sit in them <laughs> Right, Dude, I don't yeah, ride. I don't ride in cars because, like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not a mechanic over here. I can't uh, make me a whole car. You know what, Dude. though? Actually, you gave me a good seg into um, maybe closing out the podcast for this episode. Yeah, which is okay. that one of the things ten years ago, and I don't know that all of you will agree with this, but you should. Uh, it, one <laughs> of the one of the things that um, I've noticed over time that has changed about me is that the media I consume, I, I'm i sick of cynical media, mm. which is funny after we've cynically bashed a bunch of shit in this podcast, but <laughs> my main goal with anything I do is to use that platform to uplift something at the end of the day, whatever it is. And in this case, it's the Crubcast. Hit the follow button, goddammit. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I really find myself leaning more and more towards genuine and uh dare i say sometimes wholesome content like a joe mm. para like yeah. a, uh i mean i've talked about ratchet and clank way too much in my lifetime uh as a content mm. creator but ratchet ted lasso ratchet ted lasso as yeah well. ted lasso but ratchet and clank rift apart uh for example is a game that is uh perfect for the era in which it released because it is uh, a wholly non-cynical game 
which mm-hmm. is not what a lot of fans of Ratchet and Clank wanted, but that's what that's what made Ratchet and Clank stand out was that it was always the the counterculture, and the counterculture now is wholesome media, mm-hmm. yeah. because everything no. has to be cynical and witty and Joss Whedon-y, etc. Yeah. yeah. When I was younger, right, the idea of playing a Kirby game and it's like, oh, it needs to be hard. Yeah. Why isn't it hard? Yeah. And now today it's like, no, I just I love the new Kirby so very, very much. Yeah. And even like mm-hmm. all the old Kirby's because I went back. I never never played them before because I was like, what's the point? You know, it's just mm-hmm. an easy game. You really can't die most of the time. And when I went through in like what, probably 2017, I went through a bunch of Kirby games and I just uh fell in love with them because it was like yeah i'm just sitting down on my couch turning my brain off and enjoying some bomb music some bomb stupid abilities you can kiss your best friend and gain health from it like it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool you yeah, know you can hot just having a good time and and it does seem like when you talk about what are your differences over 10 years what things have changed maybe it's just easier to kind of enumerate the things that have gotten worse Right. And, yeah. And say, mm-hmm. I hate this thing now that I used to love. But there's certainly a lot of things that I love now that I would have hated back then. And mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah, I guess this has been a little bit a little bit of a downer podcast with, yeah, we hate these things. But uh, I, I think I love more deeply if that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah, not, no, absolutely. And sorry. No, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Me, like me, too. The music that I like now, I love. Mm-hmm. And I'm addicted to it, and I will not stop listening to it. I have artists that are like, you know, um, like super, super small on my Spotify that I will just bump their songs like over and over and over again. And and I love it. I was gonna say it's not just loving more deeply; it's hating the shallow. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's it's both ends of that of that spectrum. Like you're loving more deeply in the literal sense of you you care more about these things and you will evangelize these things and that in turn gets more people to experience these things because when you hear someone passionate about a thing they're going to want to check it out if they trust your uh, opinion or they they value your opinion mm-hmm. and in the same way the reason that we push to the side an assassin's creed or a Far Cry 3, or a Halo, or a, except for Sean, a Skyrim. All of these <laughs> all of these things is because when you look back, there's so many things in, and all, all those are games, but even to the same, like The Office is a shallow show, I'll say mm-hmm. it. And yeah. it, that doesn't make it a bad show. It doesn't no. make Halo Infinite a bad game that it's shallow. It's a bad game for different reasons. But all of these things uh, highlight... I lost my train of thought a little bit here. Forgive me. All of these things highlight the the growth of media itself is what I was going to say, because mm-hmm. especially in games, games were just games until 2012 when everyone said, wait, what if they are art? And that became a yeah. debate. And that debate was open and shut within that year. <laughs> and from then on, it's been hitting the ground running with experiences that are back to being wholesome or that are more thought provoking or that are more interesting in how they explore the the mechanics or even the ludo narrative uh, as much as we all love to overuse that word uh, <laughs> and it's true in music too because as music has gotten uh, generally shallower because we we're starting to run out of chord progressions you know um <laughs> as as things have gotten shorter the ones that do hit hit on a deeper level yeah like a like a joji for example i'll throw joji out there He's not wholesome. His his music is not at all wholesome, and he's never been a wholesome person. That's that's depresso music, but it's good depresso music, and it's music. Talk about yeah growth over ten years, though. Yeah, imagine that guy ten years ago, twenty thirteen, when he's filthy Frank. 
that might be the best the, the best example of them all. Oh, absolutely, yeah. dude! That's somebody yeah. I look up to so much because Joji's music is music I could make, right? And that's still uh, a weird take. Still, still a weird take. Uh, no, okay. Look, when I say like music that I can make, it's music that I can't make yet, right? And that's why I don't listen to that. It, it, everything uh, I, I have to unlock uh, the skill tree differently from others. <laughs> um, you know, because another thing, um, with that for me too is that. You do tend to see a lack of maturity in certain places, in certain genres, in certain media, right? Um, I didn't get into pop punk until undergrad, or, you know, um, which is where I learned how to sing, et cetera, et cetera. I tried to sound like Fall Out Boy, but I missed the mark and I sound like Brendan Yuri, Panic at the Disco type beat. Um, and, you know, with that, you tend to see a lack of change a lack of maturity, um, and a lack of cynicism, but in the unhealthy way, because these people still want to like live in middle school, you know? Um, but I, I was lucky that I didn't have that because I came in late to the game, but it, anyway, it, sorry. it goes back to what we, what I, what I said at the start, which is that if you haven't changed in 10 years, uh, at all, I, I kind of feel for you because you should change in some capacity, even if it's minor, even if it's just yeah. the, the, marginal things about how you treat people or how you see people i mean 10 years ago the state of the world was very different uh yeah. socially politically uh, no matter mm -hmm. how you, you cut it it was a very different world uh 10 years mm -hmm. ago and i think that uh i'll say it i think it's better now i think it's it's worse in many ways but i think overall there's more light as much empathy. as there is uh more is more empathy as much as there is a darkness that surrounds a lot of uh that nihilist zoomer uh, culture that we're now kind of leaning into as time goes on. I think that's fake nihilism, though. I think all the Zoomer nihilism is like fake nihilism. No, it's definitely like for real. Clout. It's, those people want to die. Um, with, with those with those Zoomers wanting to die, if you're a Zoomer, please make sure to hit the like button on this video before you before before, before you, you die, die. Of course, because uh, yes. if you don't, you'll go to hell before you die. As said by it's a, a I like that it's a sin not to like the Crubcast. <laughs> um, we are running up on time, so let's yeah. uh, let's throw yeah, out yeah, the, yeah. The, the the plugs for everybody. Nico, where can we find your music that you will listen to because you made it? <laughs> it's actually true. You can find me at All Hell Buckets on all platforms. All Hell Buckets on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, everywhere that you listen to music. Uh, the record that I just released a couple weeks ago is called No New Thoughts. So go check that out. It is about love. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, if, if that doesn't get you to help uh, to listen to it, I helped on it. So you should listen to it if you like me. That is true. Kevin contributed heavily to the narrative, and it is much better off for I, it. The I whole do, thing was yeah. a dare. It was a, hey, do a concept album. Write a story it that's not about you. And yeah. uh, he did it. He did it. Massive success. Yeah, I would um, say so. M, where can we find you? Well, my YouTube channel is really cool, but rather than plugging myself, I'd like to plug... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We were talking about art earlier and how it's how you should yeah. go and enjoy and love things. This is maybe the best movie, and I don't know how you could ever do another Pinocchio after Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. As a Soulsborne, of course. Like, okay. Sean, where can we find you? 
Uh, so you can find me at WolfKosan on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, yeah, and that's really it. And I'm all around everywhere else in random pictures and in your house. He's in your walls, <laughs> folks. Sean lives in your walls. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as I said at the top of the video, you can find me at the Golden Bolt anywhere where you can find things that are named the Golden Bolt and not anywhere else. So uh, if you want that, you can enjoy that. I made a video on stupid Wii shit and it did really well. And uh, you could watch that too if you want to. Or don't. Bye. <laughs>